This is the Equal Yoke Podcast. Hosted by husband and wife, Zach and Morgan Hill, this show exists to promote family theology within the context of an equally yoked marriage that plows ahead for the gospel and great commission. We've got work to do, so now let's plow ahead. All right, welcome to the Equal Yoke Podcast. I think that we're going to be titling this one a bonus episode. Is that right? Yes, it is. It's not normal. Yeah, bonus episode. Also, we will address the elephant in the room. Audio quality is much better now. Much, much better. Much better. Uh, the Lord has blessed us and allowed us to be able to get some pretty good equipment. Um, and Zach is just too much of a perfectionist for yeah. us to not have this. Like I still don't even like the way your vocals sound a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to be giving you a bonus episode. Uh, a few announcements real quick. I'm going to give one announcement. Morgan will give another one about a really cool giveaway that we're doing over on our social media. The first is is this. Thank you so much. I think we're, we're uh, kind of honing in on the hundred download mark for the very first episode. Yes, we're getting close. A hundred just right out of the gate. So thank you so much for that. Um, if you all don't care, those of you that are listening, would you go on whatever podcast app that you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, uh, all those various ones that we have, would you leave us a five-star review so that we get picked up and noticed a little bit more in the <clears throat> the algorithm? <laughs> so that we show up so you can see us. Uh, nevertheless, Morgan's got a great uh, little announcement for you about an awesome giveaway that I wish that I could win. Maybe I, we can uh, rig for this. For sure. <laughs> we, we, we're going to rig this to where we win. But go ahead. Uh, absolutely. Okay, so if you all head over to Instagram, our handle is at the equal yoke. At the equal yoke. We are doing a giveaway but we're doing this with other awesome accounts. So those accounts are Shop Reformed Beauty. They have men's and women's stuff. Restoring Eating Company and Reformed Man. Mm. Okay. All the stuff that is in the giveaway, I want to see if I can remember it off the top of my head. Here we go. We have an ESV Illuminated Bible, an Illustrated Pilgrim's Progress book, a Daily Grace Co., Little kids theology cards. Yeah. I'm not sure the correct term for that. Then we have a $75 store credit from Reformed Man. Nice. So, you know, husband and wife, if y'all get this, y'all can get something together. Mm. That's awesome. I want this too. <laughs> Restoring Eating Co. She makes some awesome handmade products all for the glory of God. She's going to give away a free pair of earrings, wife, mm. and she just released Are an awesome Are you discriminating set. against men that have their ears or anything, Pierce, like like, my, like Michael Jordan? I don't know how to answer this properly. So I'm going to continue. And she just released... I can't contain my thoughts now. Sorry. Bookmarks, that's what it is. I should know hmm. because my daughter likes to make these out of paper all the time. But these are not made out of paper, and they're beautiful. So that is also going to be in the giveaway. And then Shop Reform Beauty is throwing in a $50 store credit. Man. And we are also going to have, because of Reformation Month, and we are f 
promoting family theology, a five solas printable download activity for your kids from applesauce and arrows. Arrows and applesauce. Sorry, I said that backwards. It's a very... That is a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a ton of stuff. Like you said, like, I wish I could get some of this so, stuff. So how do, you, how do you get in on this action to possibly get your, your name thrown in the pot? All you have to do is go to our Instagram page, at The Equal Yoke. Go to the giveaway post, like it, comment, and tag all of your friends who are going to want to be a part of this. All you have to do is do that. Follow all the accounts that are listed, which are the accounts that I just named that are part of the giveaway themselves. And then for an extra entry, you just share it to your stories and tag us. All right. That sounds amazing. We want to thank you. Uh, thank everyone that is involved in doing this with us, the various other accounts and uh, other people that are in this. So thank you so much for giving some new newbies, some newcomers, a little bit of uh, a little cred, sticking your neck out for us. We pray that whoever wins this is edified and just goes to town with those store credits and yes, and if Bible you don't win, stuff. seriously, check these accounts out because I've been looking at their stuff and all their pictures, and I'm definitely going to be Christmas shopping through them. Yes, we absolutely are. They have some fantastic products. Make sure you check them out. So nonetheless, here we go. Equal Yoke uh, bonus episode. Technically, you could call this episode two if you want to. So that's what we're going to call it, episode two. But it is a bonus episode in that it is releasing on the same week as the intro episode extravaganza. Yes. So here's the schedule from here on out. You heard it here first. Uh, We are going to be dropping a brand new episode every Friday morning. That way you have time to listen to it over the weekend. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. And we'll probably have more of these pop up too. These little bonus episodes. So as we get going, let's plow ahead. Let's go. Okay, so... Here we are with our first bonus episode. It came to our attention yesterday that there is a poll that is going around that has been conducted, and the headline reads, Nearly 70% of born-again Christians say other religions can lead to heaven. What do you think about that, Zachary? Well, I'll preface by saying this. This episode is completely off the cuff. None of this is scripted. So when you ask me my reaction, um, it's it makes me do the head slap thing. Like, oh, this is not good. Um, this is a major issue. Um, I'll let you kind of guide us along a little bit more so I can gather my thoughts. This is yeah. th- this is how bad that is. So Josh Bice actually posted about this yesterday, and that's how I saw it. And his uh, little comment about it, and I think it's very accurate, it needs to be stated for sure, was he said, correction, 70% of professing Christians. So the title actually read Born Again Christians. To be born again, you have to know that Jesus is the only way. Like, that's part of born-again believers. And so Josh Bice added that in there, and so we want to preface it with that as well. That if you you are listening right now and you find yourself falling in to that 70% of Christians who believe that other religions can lead to heaven, 
I, I'm really glad that you're listening right now. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth and the life, not a, not, um, one of it is, this is what we have to understand that Christianity, the, the claims of Christ himself are exclusive. This is not an inclusive quote-unquote, faith system or religion, whatever you want to call and it. that right there is going to offend some people. Yeah, it is not. 100% not. It is exclusive. That is why it is all about the lordship of Jesus Christ, period. Can I also add in, you said it's not a way. Can we also add in it's not even just the best way? Yeah. Like, it's the only way. I, I've talked to many people who are like, well, yeah, Jesus is the best option. But that implies there's others but that there's others out there. By what standard, though? Yeah. By by what standard are we saying that he is the best option, or that that Christian morals are the best option? Yeah. Well, what are we using as our litmus test in that? When I begin thinking about this, Morgan, I, you see, I have a little book uh, here on the podcast table uh, in front of me, and I want to do a shameless plug, but my goodness, uh, y'all listen to me. Morgan will tell you that I, she can most definitely name the top five most influential men uh, upon my life when it comes to uh, various theologies or various, you know, whatever the topic may, may be. And one that has impacted me greatly over the past year and a half, two years, has been uh, the late uh, Dr. Francis Schaefer. If you have not read his two-part work, The God Who Is There and Escape from Reason, which is a, a short little follow-up to that book, um, you need to, because it may be quite quite certainly the most, and I use this in the way that it's supposed to be used, the most prophetic book uh, books I've ever read. It, if he were alive today, um, he would have very candidly but also very lovingly said, I told you so. He saw this coming as as far back as the 60s, and what we are seeing in front of us is nothing more than a Hegelian dialectic mixed with um, a lot of existentialism. And you may not know what that means, and that's fine. Just go read Schaefer. He's better at explaining it than I am. But this is what we need to understand. We have now, 50 years after the fact, because uh, whatever is in the philosophies and whatever is in the university trickles downstream and it ends up at theology last. It ends up in theology last. It, yeah. it even hits culture before it does theology. And in the past 15, 10 to 15 years, we have seen with the likes of Oprah becoming the public theologian for America oh, now and Richard Rohr and Joel Olstein and these types of individuals, this um, uh, there is no exclusivity in more, anymore with Christianity. It is only an option. It is maybe the best option because we can't really get an answer for that. Because if you answer that, then you 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 actually you then ex- exclude people. You exclude, <laughs> and that's part of the uh, the existentialism. You make it go away. You can't answer it. It just kind of is. And so we have this. Uh, you can read about Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, the 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 modern man, the true modern philosopher, and this is what we're seeing. It is one hundred percent 
it's just I I don't I can't I am at a loss for words that this is. Would you say though that this is the only logical outcome? Absolutely. Like this, unfortunately, isn't surprising. No, it's not. When when we water the the word down, and when we change the dynamic of what a church, what a gathered body of believers is supposed to be, where it's now no longer a gathered body of believers, it's a club to meet other people's needs and try to draw them in because, you know, the scriptures say, all seek after God, everyone goes towards God's way, right? It's definitely not what it says. I'm just at a loss for words that that we have 70%, and I know that this is a case study sample poll. Yeah, there 70, were, I think there was um, 3,106 people polled. 70, so how about this? Let's just say that this is just an anomaly. Yeah. And let's cut this in half. This is still an issue. Yeah. To have 35% of quote-unquote born-again Christians believing that this is not the exclusive truth. And I think that's how we got there is we've let these. So let's say, let's say it was even 1%. We still have an issue. Yeah. And we, I think we've spent years and years seeing that if something is small, then we just, it's not an issue, but where are we at now? It's snowballed. So now it's the majority. Mm. Yeah. We see a trend in what one generation accepts, or I'm sorry, what, what one generation tolerates. Yeah. The next, the next generation accepts, accepts, and then the next generation forces. Yep. It's always a two and three generational type deal. And this is what we're seeing right before our eyes within the walls of the church. So what do these results actually show? Do they just show us that, you know, 70% of Christians believe that there is this inclusivity of Christianity? I think if we bounce off from our first episode, what this shows is that the large majority of Christians, like we stated, don't know the gospel. Mm. They don't know it. Because if they knew it, they knew that Jesus said and stated that he is the only way. You know, this is a parable. I believe we're living in a a moment that is almost like a parable in the sense of um, number one, shame on the past hundred years of, of pastorates shame on them because what we have done is we have relegated the pulpit to either pep talks or a cult of personality of a specific celebrity pastor, and we've reduced it to morals and moralism. Yeah. Now, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's not, And it's not done in a vacuum. This is why we have um, deno- complete denominations like Presbyterians and, and the Methodist and Southern Baptists. You're on the docket as well, just completely splitting because... You have a small, and this is the sad part, you have a small group that are faithful to the scriptures who they may not exposit, you know, lecto continua every single week a book of the Bible, but they're at least going to the scriptures and expounding upon them versus the majority that are doing sermon series that they buy offline because they're more worried about building a club instead of equipping the saints 
and sharpening their tools of warfare. Yeah, we've definitely seen a large shift. I think I can even see it within my lifetime of 27 years of the pastor has now become like a CEO position rather than a shepherd. And it's a in the CEO position in our in our culture has now become a cult of personality. Yeah. The pastorate is a cult of personality right now. The, the quote-unquote head pastor, that, and that's not even a thing, okay? Yeah. There's biblical eldership, and then there's, uh, there's, there's eldership that we've come up with in our Western society. Nevertheless, we have CEOs that are cult of personality. If, look, like this, watch. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Bill Gates. Those are cult of personality CEOs, and we have translated that over into the church, and that is absolutely despicable. I mean, who who has the old quote that says, it may be Spurgeon, I'm, it's been a long day for me. We, we've looked over into the will of the world, and instead of trying to save people out of it, the churches fell right into it. I think that's actually um, H.B. Charles. It may be. Shout out to H.B. Uh, that's where we're at. And the reason we're, we are where we are is because we have forsaken the gospel. We have forsaken, we have forsaken contending and fighting for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, according to Jude. Absolutely. And we have simply looked at this and went, you know, all roads really lead the same place. We're all kind of teaching the same stuff. After all, you know, they've found all of these ancient and Eastern documents. Everything's kind of the same. Yeah, well, we're all going to end up in the same place. No. No, we're not, Christian. You don't get that option. You you don't be, get to become the arbiter of truth. God is. You either have his standard or it's your own. And he has spoken. And he has given us. As Schaefer has another word. book. Do you know what it's called? The God who is there. And I believe Moeller picked up on that and had a book. Uh, but there's another one. He is there and he is not silent. He is not silent. He has spoken, but we do not like what he has said. Therefore, this is where we're going. This is where evangelicalism as a whole is heading. And especially within the past few years, extremely quickly extremely quickly. So let's also move on. So we've, we've come to the conclusion, okay, the gospel is clearly either being misrepresented or not proclaimed at all within the pulpit. Now let's take it over to just the entirety of scripture because we've already stated that scripture itself says that Jesus is the only way. Not all roads lead to heaven it's not at all what it says. It's not all what it states. So can we take Scripture seriously and still end up with this 70% that does not believe that Jesus is the only way? Can we take... Are you asking if they can take it yeah. like that? or So if, if we look at the result of this poll, can we then imply, let's put it this way, that Scripture is not being taken seriously? Can you have that outcome and take Scripture seriously at the same time? That's a really good question. I'll, I'll let you guide on that one. I want to see your thoughts. Okay, my quick answer is no. You can't. 
uh, what we're seeing here is a at least our past generation actively and honestly, excitedly proclaiming that scripture is not sufficient, it is not infallible, it is not inerrant, and it is not authoritative. So that's where we are. If, if it's not these things, then yeah, why does Jesus need to be the only way? If we don't take the word of God seriously and we don't hold it to be our only authoritative word, then this is where we logically end up. Right. Absolutely. I think what we're seeing before us, though, is, well, we have to remember the totality of Scripture. You just brought that in, tota scriptura, not just sola scriptura, but tota, like the entirety of it. And what do we see Solomon proclaim time and time again? There is nothing new under the sun. We think that this is some new phenomenon, but it's not. Because if you look at every era, every epoch of history, this is how it rolls. And this isn't to say that some sort of like reincarnation karma stuff. That's not what I'm saying, and that's not what Solomon is saying. And there's many people who think that that's what he's talking about. What we mean is there, and what Solomon means is this. There is nothing new under the sun in the sense of it may have a different face and a different name, but the core is the same. And this is what I mean. I'll use two biblical examples. When Elijah was on Mount Carmel and he was making, you know, bathroom jokes about Baal to Baal's prophets, all 400 and some of them, you know, what was Elijah's response? He felt alone and he said, no, God said, no, I have, I have a remnant. I have a remnant. But the remnant is what compared to the, 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 the larger culture. It's a smaller group who have not forsaken Yahweh or, or Scripture or whatever you want to use as that filler. And the other larger Kippurah is is forsaking the way. Paul also said, not all of Israel are Israel. And so we see this kind of uh, snowballing and having this spiral uh, coming about over and over because it's like God a good and gracious father has to keep slapping the hands of his children. Or in another sense, he has to keep going to the market and buying Gomer over and over and over and over again to try to say, you are beautiful. Stop this. You're beautiful. Stop this. You are beautiful. Stop this. And so there is truly nothing new under the sun. What is so disheartening about this statistic and it again we can modify it we can give some um some leeway on it even like you said even if it was one percent even if we go yeah there's always going to be weird fringy outliers even if it was ten percent well if ten percent of a structure is compromised over time that that small minute percentage is going to end up causing the entire structure to crumble yeah and that's, I think that's what we've seen. We've seen this small percentage just continually grow. But where does this come from? What what has been the inception of this growing relativism within the church? It it's not it's not just pastors. Yeah. No. It's not just well, people don't read their Bible. It's not just 
well, we want to accommodate. It's not just, well, we want to just be nice. And, you know, my Muslim neighbor is really nice and I don't want to offend them. There's something more here going on. There's something on the foundation of all of this, of the 70 percentile thing, this abomination that we have in front of us, honestly. And I think it's this. Not only have we, as the church, not taken the gospel seriously, but we haven't taken the Great Commission seriously. When Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go, he gave a dominion mandate. He didn't say, all authority has been given in heaven and on earth to me, so sit around and twiddle your thumbs, be nice, don't hurt people's feelings. You know, pick up your cross and follow me whenever your debt gets too big and you've got to slay that debt giant or something goofy. It was go, baptize, make disciples, teach them to obey all that he has commanded. We have not taken the Great Commission seriously as well as taking the gospel seriously. And when a, a Christendom that, that does not take the Great Commission seriously, they will substitute an idol in its place in the same way that Aaron substituted the golden calf or the people went outside the camp and hoard after goat idols in Leviticus. They're going to substitute something and then call it God. And so what we have done is we have substituted both the gospel and the Great Commission for moralism and neighborliness. Absolutely. That's what we have done. And now look what we have. Gomer playing the whore again, but he's sovereign and it's going to pan out. Amen. Off of what Zach is just talking about, about the Great Commission, I just want to dialogue for a second because if we're seeing such large numbers of people who clearly don't understand at least the entirety of the gospel, and I would include the Great Commission in that, If we're seeing this misconception and we say, okay, we've got to go in, we've we've got to do better with the Great Commission. It's we should be the ones going out and, you know, teaching them these things that they're getting incorrectly. But we have this large number of people who are claiming Christ. So how does how do we recover that? Because if, if we tell, okay, all of Christendom, okay, pick up your cross, put the armor on, let's go, let's, you know, fulfill this dominion mandate that Christ has given us. Well, if we're not all on the same page of what that encompasses, how, how, do, we, how do we get to there from where we are? I am... I am on a process of sanctification until the day that I die to the point that I can tell you this. I I don't know how to answer that transparently right now. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot. So you mentioned the remnant. I think that's what is going through a lot of people's heads right now who are looking at polls like this and going, okay, we kind of see how we got here, but where do we go from here? And so I think I think we can all just sit 
and just, I don't even know, like come to the same conclusion, but still not know the action plan. Yeah. Well, you know, when I look at the scriptures, because that is the standard, everyone presupposes a standard of life. And that is the standard. It's either that or something else that robs from it. And when we look to the standard of Scripture, whenever the people were going astray in whatever era it was, whether it be in the wilderness, whether it be under um, one of the kings, whether it be in the exile, what? how did the greatest reforms come about? The recovery of Scripture yeah. as the standard. You see that with even with Moses, he got to see it real time. He saw it real time when the people would grumble against the Lord, not listen to Scripture, not listen to the standard, not listen to God's Word, even when he was guiding them by the, the cloud and the fire. In the sense that Moses pastorally in Deuteronomy tells that second genera- the second generation people, please, what? Do not depart from these words. Do not depart from them. And they do good for a little bit, and then they don't. And then we see that with Josiah finding most likely the book of Deuteronomy in the temple, reading it, copying for himself a, a, a copy of it like Deuteronomy said that he was to do, and the nation was reformed. And then Ezra in the exile return set up and read the law the book of the the Pentateuch and the people wept over their sins I think the only way that the, the church recovers from this is to get unqualified men out of the pulpits get effeminate men out of pulpits and get disqualified men out of pulpits and have men that are competent, godly, holy, and qualified just go start in Genesis, not preach your opinion, but just preach from Genesis to Revelation. Guess what? You don't even have to start with Genesis. You can start with like Ephesians like I did. Get You know why? Because God has given you a multiple choice answer of 66. Pick one. They're all equally inspired. Pick one and watch God do the work. What does Paul say? In Corinthians, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the but growth. God gives the growth. And you know what we have done? We have tried to give the growth because we have saw we have seen the church would come full circle as a machine, a business machine. We've got to have that secret sensitive movement. We've got to go after people that that feel I don't know marginalized. That's a big word right now. Of you know, we've got to give them this, this, and this, and we've got to just make the whole atmosphere for them because, you know, we don't want to turn them off. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. The gospel is very off-putting whenever it's, it's hey, you're a sinner, a wretched, disgusting, vile sinner, and you killed God in the flesh. You, you, You would have done it the same as they would have, the Jews, and yet he died for you lovingly, took you the wrath that you deserved, and then 
rose on the third day so that he may be the firstborn among many and to make a new creation in you. And now guess what? You're his. So guess what that means? He tells you what to do. You don't get to select what you want. He tells you. But instead of hearing that, we're hearing people apologizing for the gospel instead. We're apologizing that it's offensive. We're apologizing that it's not all-inclusive. And then where does that get us? It gets us to hear. It's the only logical conclusion of where we're going to end up when we don't take Scripture seriously and we replace its authority with our own. And when we, whenever we look to society and think that we're not supposed to mess with that, we have our own little circle and sphere over here in the church, you know, We've got bad eggs in here. We've got wolves. We'll, t- we'll, we'll take care of the church stuff. We'll take care of the faith stuff. You know, we'll line out like what color carpet we're supposed to have and, you know, which hymnal and all this junk. But society, that's Satan's. Yeah. He, he, we're never going to... Uh, go read John 12 and see what Jesus says about the ruler of this age being cast out then, as in he went and plundered what he had stolen from him. Well, and then, so I'm teaching our daughter right now, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell within. It's all the Lord's. Right. Why are we Why are we trying to push society to claim it instead? Exactly. And that is exactly what happens. And that's what leads us to this road right here. We come to a place where professing Christians, and I think this is the irony we have professing Christians, 70%. Who aren't really professing who Christ? Aren't, who aren't professing Christ. They're profess, they are professing some sort of moralism. They're functioning agnostics, basically. Yeah. That's what that is, is they're functioning agnostics. It's like someone that says, yeah, you know what? Uh, all burger joints will give you a burger. I just prefer McDonald's. Can we all just agree that five guys is the best. I <laughs> mean, it go. is the scripturally <laughs> based best burger joint. And then like, we didn't, we just got five guys in Kentucky recently. Okay. Like in Lexington, not, not too long ago. All right. It, it's, it, maybe it's just a new thing, but no, there, there's always some sort of, of, of standard. And this is what we have. We have allowed the church to be accommodated by culture because what do we have? People professing, their gender, their sexuality, their, I don't even want to get into their, what they're professing with their perverseness. But now we go, you know, I really like this group of people. And you know what? I don't really agree with everything the Bible says, but man, I just really like this. And they play really good music and it just feels like a concert. And I, I really enjoy like you know, getting to come in and, and get a donut. And listen, we serve donuts at Oakwood. Come get you one. But it's this, we're here to cater to you. And we want to give you the best experience that you can have. We have professing Christians professing and confessing and declaring that that's what they are when they have not been born again in the same sense that we have men professing and claiming and confessing that they are women when they have an XY chromosome. 
So I think to full circle us all in and wrap this up a little bit, this has been completely on the fly. Um, but this, we just felt like this needed to be done. This needed to be discussed. And so I think that we can probably just sum this up, especially within the month that we're in and celebrating that the church needs, it needs another reformation. We need men who are not fearful of man, but are completely solid upon the foundation and rock of Jesus Christ and him alone, and are not afraid to profess and proclaim him and him crucified, and are ready to take back the church. Yeah. That's a great way to end it. That's why the reformers always said semper reformanda. Always reforming. Always reforming. That doesn't mean we're always looking like, you know, some heretic witch hunt, like, oh my goodness. They, those people over there at that church, they, they played the wrong version of come thou fount (laughs) off with their heads. No, it just means that we, we have to be cognizant that, and even in our, our, Simul justus epicator, the simultaneously just and simultaneously sinner state, we're going to still mess up until God yeah. comes in either, you know, Christ comes back or he takes us in glory. But That's, where do we continually need to look and where do we continually need to have our eyes fixed upon? Not unto the scriptures. They're immutable and unchanging yep. unto ourselves. Yep. Because it is with the individual unit that that affects the family unit and the family unit then makes up society. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this little bonus episode again, completely off the cuff, completely and simply just thinking through issues in real time. Uh, we, we do want to say a very big thank you, uh, full of gratitude to Josh Bice and, uh, come just stating it out in the open. You're not a, born again Christian, you're a professing Christian yeah. and there's a it's, difference. It's men like that that we need in the pulpits yes. so badly. And so we we just want to say thank you. He's a great brother. Um, but y'all listen. If you're listening to this and this offends you and you think, well, I've got people in my family that are in this LGBTQ sexual moral revolution and I love them and that offends me that you would say that they're not going to be standing before the Lord. I'm not trying and we are not trying to go out and just beat people over the head and like bash in doors and go, that's not the purpose of the gospel. I'm sorry that you are offended, but that does not change God's rules and standards. And the most unloving thing that we could do is not proclaim that. Yes. And that's the most unloving thing that you could do, listener, if you are offended and you do love those family members, the most unloving thing you could do is not proclaim the gospel to them. But aren't you supposed to judge not? If you just want to read one verse taken out of context, then yeah, I guess. Because the rest of that says, by the same standard that you use to judge, it will be given to you. I want to use God's word that is infallible and errant and fully authoritative as my standard to judge. Not in a mean way. Because the ruler, the judge of all the earth, will do what is just. 
I have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. And the judge lets me sit on the bench with him because he has the rule book right there in front of us. Amen. Well, we pray that this episode has been a blessing to you. Would you please rate it, share it, give us feedback. If you want to leave us hate mail, that's fine because we're going to continue to plow ahead oh, do we want to put with an email the out there? great commission in the gospel. Yeah, of course. It's the equal yoke podcast at gmail.com. You can send us hate mail. I was going to say, I guess I just was like, hey, come send us stuff, I guess. Nevertheless, we pray that until next time, you, uh, your family, whether you be a husband and wife, a family, a single guy, single lady, empty nesters, whatever it may be, that you are uh, yoking together, thinking through family theology, which is just simply thinking through these big issues as a family unit, whatever that looks like to you. And we pray that you know the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Until next time and until we yoke together again, I'm Zach. And I'm Morgan. And we pray that you have a blessed day.